Rest you guys, you're, yeah, amen, yay, Teresa, come on. Rest of y'all are stuck with me, Matthew chapter 6. <laughs> What's that? That's kind of brave. It is, actually, it's kind of brave, well said, well said. Man, is it cold in here, or is it just me? Is it cold? Can we make it not cold? Let's all stare at John. He's a miracle working John. He's a miracle working John. <laughs> He's a miracle working John. <laughs> if I'm cold, if I'm cold, I know that other people are cold because I'm never cold. I saw somebody selling prayer shawls as blankets out front for five dollars a piece. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know that's a big deal, man. Yeah, so we we don't want to freeze y'all out, man. We want y'all to be comfortable. If you look to the back, there's a Pollock joke that's un, that's happening right now. How many? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh Lord, my wife's Polish, so I can say that. <laughs> Matthew chapter six, y'all. Amen. Well, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. Aren't y'all grateful that you can hear God? Isn't that good news that, um, you know, that God is still speaking and that you can hear his still small voice and that he can lead you and guide you into all truth? I mean, that is just such an awesome thing that uh, we can hear God. How many know as New Testament believers that, that, that God will speak to us? Now, how many know the primary way God speaks is through Scripture? Um, but, but God will also speak to your heart. And here recently, I was laying in bed, and God just, down here, that still small voice, Matthew chapter 6. And so, um, and, and it was real small, real tiny. Uh, but how many know that, that God, He likes to, He will hide things for you if you will go and search them out. And um, he he will he will hide truths in his scripture, and and he will um, reveal things to you, and he will tell you secrets, and he will speak to you, and um, that's one of his joys as a father. You know, one of my joys as a father is to surprise my kids. I love to surprise my kids. <clears throat> I probably enjoy surprising my kids more than they enjoy being surprised. <laughs> honestly, if we're it's taken me a few years to come to terms with that reality, but like I enjoy surprising everybody probably more than they actually enjoy it, but I love it, and God, like He loves to surprise you and to teach you things and talk to you. And so I got in there and I started studying Matthew chapter six, and you know it's a it's a chapter that's just filled with all kinds of stuff. and um but i but I had this one phrase that really leaped out to me. And how many know that if you've heard something, multitudes and multitudes of times that it has the ability to become cliche to you and not actually have meaning. And, um, it, and that's one of the things that we have to watch out for in Scripture because things can become cliche to you. How I many you know something that's cliche, you just kind of recite it and you don't even really think about what it, the meaning of it. And really, it's, it's what we would call the Lord's Prayer um, where he's teaching his disciples how to pray. But this phrase jumped out of me, Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 9. It says, um, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so like, you know, I mean, you know, we've all said that about a million times, right? 
and and it, it, it it's gotten to a place where you can just recite it, but like, and it can become cliche. But like, I took that portion just leaped out at me, and uh, how many know God has the ability to speak a now word to you? And so I've read that scripture a thousand times, but it leaped out at me, and I spent an afternoon just meditating on that scripture. When I say meditating, that's a biblical concept, just speaking it out, murmuring it, thinking about it, and uh, it's a great way to study the scriptures because, man, it will fill you up more than just about anything will. So I just took that, you know, and, and Jesus is teaching his disciples how uh, to pray, and the thing that really leaped out to me is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So God's will is to bring heaven to earth. That's what he wants to do. Like that's his plan, that's his agenda. And because how many know the earth was taken over by a hostile, illegal spirit in the garden? You know, when, when, when God made everything, he never intended for Satan to be the ruler over it. Satan had already lost um, a year, you know, who knows how long ago. We don't, we don't know the framework of that. But he was an outlaw spirit. He was an illegal and he had no authority in the earth. And so God made man, and God gave man authority. And so the enemy was hungering and lusting after man's authority. And he knew that if he could trick man to trusting him, his words, over Father God's words, then he could hijack man's authority. And so that fall in the garden, you know, it was more than just a, pre, a piece of fruit and, and, and a curse hitting the ground. The enemy became, uh, according to Ephesians, the little g, the God of this world. And so the reason that this world has been so messed up and so, so crazy is the enemy uh, took authority. And he had an element of authority that impacted everything. How many know that, that, human, that the human experience has been wrought with, with death and misery and, and very challenging things? How many know death was never God's plan? Death is the enemy of God. It's still the enemy of God. And I say this all the time, but it's becoming big on the inside of me. There's going to come a day and time when death is the last enemy that bows its knee. There's going to be no more death. You're never going to see death again, and you're going to live eternally. You're going to live forever. And all the forms of death that go with that, sickness and aging and depression and all of these things, um, the enemy is the one that had the power of death. And so the enemy had authority for a season. So much so that if you look in the book of Job, he actually has the ability to go into heaven and accuse uh, God's people to him. Because how many know God has to operate out of a sense of justice? How many know God can't bend his character for anyone? And a part of the reason that the enemy uh, has wreaked so much havoc is he's taken um, God's standard of righteousness, which is extremely high, and then man's in this fallen state, and the enemy has this authority. And actually, the enemy is the one that's been using the law against mankind to, to bring forth death and all these things. doesn't mean that the law is bad. How many know that you can take a knife and you can cut a stake or you can kill somebody, right? So the enemy hijacked authority and he operated in authority for a long time. And, and so much so that even the way that God had to deal with man was not the way God wanted to deal with man. Because if you look in the Old Testament, I mean, you know, there's some crazy stuff that happens. 
I mean, there are times when, when well, God you know, has to annihilate an entire race of people. And you're thinking, how could a loving God you know, annihilate an entire race of people? How can a loving God um, bring forth a flood and all of these things? But the reality is, is God did not have the authority to bring deliverance until Jesus came. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, I mean, you know, under the Old Testament, if somebody got a devil, you couldn't cast the devil out of them. You just had to kill him. That's how it worked in the Old Covenant. You don't see anyone operating in the authority to cast a demon out until Jesus comes. And so the, the thought process, anybody ever had a piece of rotten fruit? I, I, I mean, you know, if you want to preserve the, uh, the integrity of the fruit in the fruit bowl, you've got to remove the piece of rotten fruit and get it out of there. Or at the very least, you got to cut it off. Why? Because death has infiltrated it, and no one has yet learned how to reverse the rotting process, right? But then when Jesus came, how many know that all of that changed? Because all of a sudden, the king of the kingdom has come to earth in the form of a man. And so Jesus enters on the scene, and how many know demons are fearing and trembling and they're obeying everything that he says. Why? Because the one that created everything has come back, and the kingdom is now in their midst. And so now, if somebody has a demon, we don't have to kill them. How many know we can set them free? And how many know that through the power of God's authority in his kingdom, he'll take someone who was public enemy number one to the church and set them free and write two-thirds of the New Testament through that person who was having Christians put in prison? I mean, God has the ability to reverse the writing process. God has the ability to pull the death out of something. No one had that authority until Jesus came. But then when Jesus came, all of a sudden there was an authority that was demonstrated in the land that shocked everybody. I mean, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they noticed that he had authority. Because they were like, because like, how I many you know, he, he didn't have his, uh, re, 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 he wasn't like a rabbi in the sense that he had papers. He didn't have like a degree. He didn't have all of the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees had. He didn't have the long tassels on his robe. But everywhere Jesus went, authority was present. So much so that they would be like, by what authority do you do this? Because they knew that he operated in authority. They knew that he operated in a power. How many know there's a couple times where the demons slipped up and began to worship Jesus? Because there was a time when that happened. Because the king had come. How many know the demons knew who the king was? And because now an illegal authority is making contact with a righteous authority. And, and I'll stop here for just a moment and I'll say this. Do you know why God's so powerful? Because he's right. That's the very center place of his authority. God's right. That's why he's so powerful. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know God is incapable of lying? If God woke up tomorrow and said the grass is purple, it turns purple. Because he's right. And out of his place of rightness or righteousness or tiskanu in the Hebrew, whatever, how many know whatever he says comes to pass? He saw darkness, he spoke light, and light became, right? And so the, the entirety of his authority is based upon the fact that he is right. And so one that was right, a man was born right. What are you talking about? Well, 
uh, how many know that the, the blood that was in Jesus was not the DNA of Joseph? The blood that was in Jesus bypassed man's fall because how many know that the baby's blood is determined by the father and not the mother? And he, a righteous man, was born in the earth. A man that carried the, the same rightness that Almighty God had and came in the form of a man. The scripture calls him the second Adam, right? And so he came, and now all of a sudden, all the authority that's given to a righteous man or the, the king of the kingdom is now in the earth. And so wherever he walks, demons tremble. Wherever he's at, sickness flees. Death gives up and releases the body because the kingdom has come. And if you look at Jesus' message, that was his message was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He's like, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The king, that's God's primary purpose. How many of you know God's taking back over? That's what's happening. Now, he conquered the devil on the cross 2,000 years ago. And how many of you know the kingdom has been in the earth for a couple thousand years? And how many of you know the Bible says that he's king of kings? He's lord of lords. And so, the king, how many know the kingdom of God is in the earth right now? Now the king, and, and how many know the expression of the kingdom is through you and through me? Because what happened was the king, when you got born again, the king of the kingdom moved inside of you. And now all the authority of heaven, of God's righteousness, is now inside of you now. Okay? And the king, how many know the kingdom of God is stronger than any government? How many know the kingdom of God is more secure than any government? How many know the kingdom of God is more secure than the dollar? How many know there's going to come a time when every single government crumbles away and falls to the wayside? And we will no longer vote. We will no longer have a democracy. We will no longer have men who rule us. We will have a king. <laughs> oh, how I long for that. Don't you long for that? And the king that is on that throne of righteousness and grace, that's the king that served you with his life that served you with his blood, that served, how many know he came as a lamb and he came and he served humanity and he gave us an eternal pardon based upon a new birth. So, and how many know that this king that's coming, he, he's been touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to experience this life. So this king that is coming, this king that is here, and this government that is upon his shoulders, it's present in the earth right now, but it's within us. But I feel as though God is, is calling for the kingdom to rise up in the times that we're living in. And, there need, and God is calling for there to be a display of the kingdom in the earth. All the governments are being shaken. All the, the financial things are being shaken. Everything's being shaken that can be shaken. Have you seen it? 
But the reason that it's being shaken is there's something that can't be shaken, and it's the kingdom of God that's on the inside of you. And it comes out of the fact that you're right with God through the blood of the Lamb. And, and the gospel is what reveals to you that you've been made the righteousness of God. Because in order for you to operate in the authority that the kingdom has for you, you need to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, then it's going to be difficult for the authority to operate. This is a, the, the, the authority of the kingdom is an identity-based authority. And see, the, the way that we failed in times past is we thought, well, you know, God answers the pastor's prayer because he's righteous and he's holy and he's in the word and he's, 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 or she, she, she's, or whatever. And we started thinking that authority was based upon what we've done. How many of you ever thought that? Thought you need to get somebody else to pray for you because you know who you are. Or you need to get somebody else to pray for you because you know, you know who you are. And the enemy has worked overtime to try to convince the church that this right standing that we have is based upon works and not faith. Because if you think that your right standing with God is based upon your conduct, the enemy is an excellent proxy-shooting attorney, and he's going to find a loophole in your armor somewhere. And some of us, it's real quick and real easy. Because the reality is, how many know all of us fall short in terms of our behavior? Daily. So if your authority is based upon your behavior, then you will never have any authority. How I many you know that Prince Charles is no longer Prince Charles? He's King Charles. Now, was he made king because he did cool stuff? Was he made king because he was an honorable or integritable man? Yeah. Amen. Not, not trying to throw Chuck under the bus or anything, but you know, it's cool. It's cool, but it's true though. Let's just check it out now. How many know that now he's king? And can't nobody question it. He's king because of who he is, not what he's done. You've been made righteous and given the authority of the kingdom because of who you are, not because of what you've done. If you can get a hold of that, then you can display the kingdom of God in the earth to a world that needs stability. As believers, we should be the most stable people on earth right now. This is our calling. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the preservative. And I'm talking about the kingdom of God in the streets. In the streets. In Walmart. In the gas station. The kingdom... It's time to display the kingdom. The time has come. The light shines brightest in darkness. Now you come to church to be reminded who you are. You come to church to be reminded who you are. You come to church to be reminded who you are. Because when you're reminded who you are, you're not going to put up with a bunch of junk that's not in line with who you are. Your authority comes out of your identity. It comes out of who you are. How I many you know a police officer does not have to be the strongest person in the room to have authority? How I many you know his authority is not based on his strength? How I many you know that badge is supposed to be backed by the U.S. military? 
His authority is not based in his strength or what he can do. His authority is based upon who he is. Are y'all tracking me here? And so the king of the kingdom is inside of you, and he's calling forth his kingdom in the day and age that we're living in because there's people that need the healing power of God that's on the inside of you. There, and, 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 and this king, in, in, the, in, the, in the context of this chapter, there, and we'll probably eventually get into this, probably not this morning, but eventually, but one of the things they talk about is supply. How I many people are worried about supply? Are we going to have enough? Are we going to have enough? People seeking after you know, clothing and food and all these things. And Jesus is like, that's not how we do it. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What if your house becomes the storehouse that feeds your neighborhood? What if your house becomes the storehouse that feeds a neighborhood? What if, what if God has called you to take care of somebody's mortgage payment when they're, when they're running low? Or called to take care of someone's car payment? Or called to take care of a child's doctor's visit? Do you think God could get enough finances into your life to where you would be a supply house? And then when you gave something away, there would be no strings attached to it. You wouldn't say, I'm going to give you this if you come to my church. I mean, that's weak. Are we building a church or are we advancing the kingdom? No, no, no. We got to advance the kingdom. We can't just build a church. Thank God for the church, but this is bigger than the church. Or you give give them something and, and, no, 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 freely you have received, freely you give. You are a walking answer to prayer. You have more than enough because you are connected to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What if God chooses to multiply loaves and fish in this season? What if God chooses to do signs and wonders to supply to people? I fully believe that God is going to embarrass. the rulers of this age with the power of the kingdom. Not not for the purpose of like shaming them, but for the purpose of saving them. Because if there's anything that has been shown to me within the past few years, it's that nobody knows what to do. That has been abundantly displayed. Nobody knows what's up. And all this darkness, you know, according to Isaiah 60, that's in the earth, the gross darkness of people. It's time for the kingdom to arise. It's time for the exploits to happen. It's time for the power of God to show up. It's time. And But if the enemy can convince you that the kingdom's not going to flow through you because of what you've done or haven't done, then you're not going to be able to operate in the authority that God has given to you through the cross. Listen, we've got to stop making it about us. It's not about you. It's not about the good deeds that you do. It's not about the mistakes that you make. It's about Jesus Christ. You have every right to all the promises of God because you've been made righteous through the blood of the Lamb. (coughs) Y'all tracking me here. 
See, there's an awakening to who we are in Christ. There's a place of identity. Your authority comes out of your identity. It cannot come out of your conduct. Now listen to me. I'm not saying your conduct isn't important. How, you know, how, how you treat people is very important. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I, I talk about that all the time. Our love walk is it's, it's what makes Jesus beautiful. The love of God. So I'm not belittling that in any sense. But what I'm saying is, is you're, you're, you're doing, it can't be about your doing, it must be about your being. If we can get your being lined up properly and you know that you're a child of God and you know who you are, then your doing will take care of itself. And your authority cannot be based upon the boxes that you check or uncheck. Because there may come a time in your life where something tragic happens and the, and the kingdom is needed. And we don't need to take a look at your resume to determine whether you're worthy to operate in the kingdom. We need to take a look at Jesus' resume because that's what qualifies you. Not, what, not your resume. Y'all tracking me here? So you're going to have to let go of self and trust in self and dependence upon self and focus on self and focus on Jesus Christ. Just like we were singing earlier, He's made you worthy. Because this world, it needs the kingdom. They need stability right now. And there's nothing more stable than the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing. The kingdom, it's not passing away. It's not leaving. It's it's dominating the earth. It's the leaven in the bread. But the enemy has held back the kingdom because we've had people walking around that were kings but they thought they were paupers. They were kings, but they were taught they were worms. They were righteous, but they were taught they were sinners. And it's time to break the bands of that teaching off of the body of Christ. And you know, and, and we, and we, it's time to, to pop open these chains and let the kingdom flow through you. How I many of you it's going to be exciting to see people healed. It's going to be exciting to see people delivered. It's going to be exciting to see people's needs met. But and one of the things that God's had to do is He's had to get us out of this hero worship mode. I mean, you know, there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else. There's nobody in this room that has more of a right to God than anybody else. You should not try to draw people to yourself or your pastor. I mean, you're called to draw people to Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's the groom. Attention and focus on Him. And we've been making a transition in the body of Christ by the reemergence of the gospel because the gospel preached. I mean, the gospel preached makes nothing of, of our works and makes everything of Jesus' work that is finished, Right? But and, and we've talked a lot about identity in terms of being set free from sin. I talk a lot about that. We'll continue to talk a lot about that. You know, I used to be a drug addict. I've been set free. Used to be addicted to pornography. I've been set free. You know, uh, used to be all kinds of crazy. Been set free. How was you set free? I found out who I was. How I many of identity will set you free from, from the dominion of sin? But it will also give you an authority that you're going to need to overcome in a wicked world. 
There's no reason Christians should be dying early. There's not. You have authority. You have power. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We have authority. The other day I was preaching at the shelter, and a guy came up really bad on drugs, and I could feel violence in the air. I could just feel it. And so, but here's the thing. The king of the kingdom is in me. The kingdom is in me. I am not afraid because I know who I am. You know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. But that comes out of a place of identity. Now, if the enemy could have got my attention on Jeremiah Johnson, well, how many cookies you eat, Jeremiah, this week? You know what I'm saying? How many, how many, how many times you get mad in traffic? You know, how many times you me, 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 me? No, we ain't talking about me. This ain't about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And the king is in me, and the kingdom is here. Do you think that the disciples probably, how many of the disciples probably made mistakes when they were operating in the kingdom? I guarantee you they made mistakes. I mean, Peter cussed somebody out over them say, saying that he was a disciple of Jesus. How I many you know it, it didn't stop the kingdom from flowing through Peter? How I many you know the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God fell in the book of Acts, he preached and 3,000 people were saved? The same mouth that cussed somebody out and denied Jesus was the same mouth that God used to, to birth the kingdom with. So never for a moment think that your failure is greater than his victory. What he has done is greater than us. We get to be, we get to be a part of what he's doing. He's like a dad who's letting you carry the groceries in. You know what I'm saying? That's how my kids, my kids love to carry the groceries in. You know, praise God. Hopefully it'll stay like that, right? <laughs> a teenager would be trying to lay low. No, I'm just kidding, Ethan. He helps too. But, like, they want to carry something in. It's harder for me to let them carry something in. It's easier for me to do it myself. But I will make room for them to carry something in because I love them and I want them to feel good and I want them to be a part of what, what we're doing. How many know God's the same way with us? You have been chosen to be in the kingdom for such a time as this, and there is more power in you than there's darkness in the land. This is reality. Now, you release it through what you say. I mean, oh, where the word of a king is, there's power. Where's God's authority come from? How I many know oh, he speaks? Amen. Come on, guys. Amen. How I many know oh, that, that God, how I many know oh, your prayer avails much? Your words avail much. There's power in you. But if you take the power that's in you and all you speak is darkness, and all you do is complain. And all you do is attack and slander another group of people. How I many of you are using your authority against people? And how I many of God cares about people? How I many of God loves Republicans and Democrats? How I many of God loves all races? And the last thing I want to do is to take this powerful sword that's been given to me and raise it against an individual that God wants to save. You know how God fixes people that are persecuting the church? He saves them. <laughs> like what if, what if someone killed Paul? 
What if someone said, we got to take Saul out? we got to kill him. I mean, there could have been a group who thought, see, don't, this is not a war that's won with the flesh. This is not a war that's, that's won with carnality and anger and offense. I understand. Take a stand for what's right. But God saves people. God loves people. And you know how God fixed the persecution at the time? He took himself and put himself in Paul. And Saul became Paul. And the next thing you know, he's the front runner of the early church. Don't think God won't confound the wisdom of this world and, and the rulers of this age and save them and have them preach the very gospel they've been attacking. Don't think he won't do it. He can do it, he can do it overnight. But he'd like us to get on board with his plan of redemption rather than fighting a carnal battle. Your words are better used praying and speaking life than they are attacking. Be a part of the answer. And I'm not saying, don't compromise your standards in the midst of this. Don't compromise your morality. How many know everything's not okay? How many know right is still right and wrong is still wrong? Right is still right and wrong is still wrong. Can I get an amen? Grace don't change that. Love don't change that. Right's right, wrong's wrong. Don't change. There are things that are wrong, and they'll, they'll always be wrong. And I'll take it a step further. It'd be good for you to hate evil. Come on. Hate it. Come on. That's what, that is what the fear of the Lord is. It's to hate evil. No, hate unrighteousness. Hate it. Why? It's death. Take it, we're taking a stand against death. But in the process of taking a stand against death and against evil, we are not trying to destroy people. God loves people. God loved Saul while he was his persecutor. And how many know people can slip up and get in the flesh? How many know we are some of those people? <laughs> you see, Peter, one moment realizing that Jesus is the Christ, speaking on behalf of God. Three minutes later, <laughs> Peter in the flesh trying to talk Jesus out of the cross. How I many you know he was in the spirit and then he was in the flesh? They're having a good time up there. That's good. He was in the spirit. He was in the flesh. But how I many you know God didn't throw him away because he was in the flesh? And how I many know God don't throw us away because we get in the flesh? Thank God, man. He believes in us, right? And so this kingdom is a place of stability. What? Can we live the, till the end of this year and not be afraid? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't want to be afraid. I don't like it. I don't like being afraid. I don't like being worried. You don't have anything to be worried about. And he's in us. But, I, but, but he's calling forth a display of the kingdom out of you. I mean, you know, the, 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 the pearl of great pr pr price has been planted in your field. You know what I'm saying? Like, the greatness of Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. And the kingdom wants to be displayed. It's going to be displayed through righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah. Shouldn't nobody be able to rob you of peace. Yeah. Shouldn't nobody be able to offend you. Yeah. Shouldn't nobody be able to take your joy away from you. Why? Because what's inside of you is eternal. These chairs, they're going to pass away. This earth out here, it's going to pass away. 
All that you see, it's going to pass away. But what's in you is eternal, and it's going to last forever. And there's going to be a new heavens, there's going to be a new earth, and there's going to be no more death. It's powerful. And it's really, it's, it, it, it's time for us to, to rise up and to be who we are. And, but it's going to come out of a place of identity. You don't lose your identity as a child of God just because you get in the flesh. Nobody can take this away from you. How many of you know no one can, can take uh, Prince Charles away from being King Charles? Can't nobody take it from him. How many of you know he can do dumb stuff all day long, but because of his bloodline, he's a king? Right? And so, like, and his, his bloodline is made solid through human seed. How many of you know your bloodline is made solid through incorruptible seed of the Word of God? So, like, we have to wake up to who we are so that, A, we can live with some stability and confidence, and B, so that we can display the kingdom of God in the earth. Because I'm going to tell you right now, people are going to need help. And, oh, what a joy it is to help people. Oh, what a joy it is to, to have confidence and, and to have boldness and to have, have joy. You hear lately, I, you know, I'll be out in public or something, and I just laugh. laugh. I'm a loud laugher. I am. I'm a very loud laugher. But I'll laugh, and like everybody in the whole place will just turn around because they're seeing some joy for a minute. They're like, he's happy? <laughs> like, are we allowed to be happy? I thought we had to be miserable. How many of the the joy that's given to us, man, I don't know what they're doing upstairs, but like, I, I hope so. Let's start praying for Teresa right now. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Dang. Yeah, that's that's some next level stuff right there. Praise God. <laughs> Karen's like, I'm gonna check on that. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Amen. But 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 how many know that there there is a joy and there's a, a peace that's been placed in you that's not attached to the circumstances of this world. Amen. And like we learning how to access that will give us a stability that we need, our families need, our communities need, and the people around us need. There's a kingdom. And so God's plan, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's plan is to have heaven infiltrate the land and have some moments and days of heaven on earth. What does heaven on earth look like? Listen to me. It's God's will being perfectly done in that situation. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, God's will was done in that situation. When, when, when the multitudes were fed with an abundance. How I many know oh, there's no lack in heaven? The concept of lack is not in heaven. You're not going to get to heaven. There's going to be some construction on the streets of gold. Like, man, we are backed up. We are waiting on these gold blocks. We ain't got no gold blocks. The construction equipment is just like, Peter's over there, man. He's, you know, whatever. How many know that the concept of lack is not in the realm of the Spirit? How many know everything that you see was created from the realm of the Spirit? 
The realm of the Spirit is, is, is eternal in its very substance, right? And so, how many know God wants to take some of that and put it on your finances? Right? Amen. Do you think He can do it? Yes, He can. But your, your part is to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. See, sometimes, and, and here's the thing, the, you know what the enemy of the kingdom is? Condemnation. When you feel condemned, that king inside of you is hidden by a veil, not of his making. And that's why we got to preach the gospel. And that's why we got to keep preaching the gospel. Because we got to keep that veil torn. I mean, when we got in that place of communion today, the veil was torn. See, that's how communion should be. Communion should not be this introspective, sad, funeral dirge. It should be a celebration of the victory of the cross. I mean, you, know, you don't make yourself worthy. Jesus is the one that makes you worthy. Can I get an amen? But we hit this moment where, and I love it when it happens, when, you, when you're preaching the gospel and you're sharing the gospel, and it's not from the standpoint of you getting information that you don't have, it's just a shining of the truth that kind of allows heaven to come down and be manifested for a little bit. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? The, the, the gospel is the power of God. How many of you know, we, we, as we declare that the cross is a success and we understand that we're forgiven and we're right with God, it allows us to function in the kingdom. See, you, you, you won't have authority if the enemy can convince you that your authority is based on your actions and not your Savior. If he can shake you, because how I many know nobody in this room this week, anybody, was anybody perfect this week? No. You were close. Yes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call self righteousness. It's the worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call your wife and find out if these things are true. <laughs> Test comes in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but like if the enemy can take your face and shove it in your mistakes, then when it's time for the kingdom to be expressed out of you, you won't have confidence to express the kingdom. Now, the way he takes your face and shoves you in mistakes is he calls to remember, he calls into your mind what you've done. Oh, yeah, he's great at it. And he does it in, a, in the form of where it's, it's you. So, well, and it's your words and your thoughts. But that's the enemy shooting fiery darts into you, trying to get you self-focused and not Jesus-focused. Is there any spot in Jesus? Is there any wrinkle in Jesus? Is there anything bad in Jesus, right? Like, I mean, he's the perfect lamb. All your authority comes from his perfection and not your own. Amen? And so what I'm saying is this kingdom, if you can get, the, if you can get your confidence in Jesus, that's what the gospel does. It realigns you to recognize that your confidence comes from what Jesus did and not what you do. How many know Paul was casting out demons in the New Testament? Right? And he's doing it left and right, sideways, handkerchiefs. I mean, this brother was like, well, what was happening to Paul? Well, what, the gospel that we preach was downloaded into him first. 
I mean, Paul had an understanding of what happened on the cross. And after the cross, supernaturally given to him by the Lord. He was in Jesus' night class, right? The resurrected Christ taught Paul. The rest of the guys got the earth Jesus. Not saying they were different, but there was something special about Paul's ministry, right? And so, and how many know that Paul did not have more authority than you currently have? How many know Paul didn't have more of Jesus than what you have right now? How many know Paul was not more right with God than you are right now? Come on. It's the truth. Like, it's the truth. These... Paul is not to be worshipped. Moses is not to be worshipped. Elijah is not to be worshipped. Peter's not to be worshipped. No preacher is to be worshipped. Jesus Christ is the one that needs to be worshipped. And that same Christ is inside of you. And that's why he said, he said, it's more needful that I leave, because when I go, I'll send the comforter. I mean, he sent the spirit of his son inside of you, right? So Paul was not more right with God than you are. I would say that Paul may have made more mistakes than you made. I've done some crazy stuff. I ain't never tried to kill a Christian. I mean, some of y'all maybe, 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 maybe y'all can't say that. Like, well, last weekend I was in traffic. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But he made some. He made major mistakes. But God didn't define the kingdom flowing through him in accordance with his mistakes. Y'all tracking me here? What if we got a hold of this and we actually believed it? What impact would it have on our lives? If we really believe that we're right with God. See, you see it when somebody first gets saved. You see somebody get saved, and I'm talking about really saved. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. What I see, I see Christ. I can remember one time we were having a Bible study out in Bourbon County. We were out on this farm. And there's a girl who was coming. She was coming out. She was coming out of recovery and drugs and stuff like that. She still follows our ministry online. And she got saved that night in that Bible study. And I'm gonna tell you right now, her face glowed. She was shining. Why? Did she have more of Jesus than you and I? No. But what happened? There was no veil because there was no doubt concerning whether she was forgiven or not. Her attention was not on her conduct, anything that she had done. I mean, when people first get saved, all they see is Jesus. And so for a moment of time, the new covenant is being fulfilled and the obedience of faith is happening. This individual believes that the cross was a success, the blow is enough, God loves them, and they're forgiven. There's no veil. And you don't have to demand fruit of the Spirit out of these people. You don't have to try to get them to tell other people about Jesus. How I many when people first get saved, the kingdom is flowing through them. But so many times they get taught out of that place and, they, and, they, and the veil is resurrected and years later, the glow of that countenance is gone because they've had plenty of time to get their eyes off of Jesus and get their eyes back on the good things that they do or the mistakes that they make. But how I many know the same Christ is still in there? Gosh, what, what would the world look like if we'd spent the past couple thousand years preaching the gospel rather than something else? It'd be a different place. In fact, I, I, I would say the kingdom would probably have dominated the entire earth and there'd be no darkness left. But how many know the enemy has stolen the gospel time and time again? 
How many of the dark ages were a result of the gospel being stolen? Paul said it. He said, when I leave, grievous wolves are going to come in. I mean, to this day, to preach the gospel is like the most radical thing in the world. Astonishing. People don't want the good news. They want a list of do's and don'ts. Tell me what I got to do to be made right with God. Tell me what I do. I got to do to be blessed. Control me. Tell me what to do. Give me a moral stepladder. Give me something I can be proud of. Let scratch, give me itching ears to something I can satisfy my flesh with. But man, you tell them the good news of the gospel, which is the best news in the world, and they're like, heresy. To this day, it's still like that. A couple thousand years later. But my eyes are open to it. And your eyes are open to it too. They can't talk me out of it. I'm enjoying way too much of Jesus. So I'm not going to let go, and I'm not going to stop enjoying it, I'm not going to stop preaching it. But I, but I want to get to a place where the kingdom is demonstrated outside of the church because it's time. Now, this does not put pressure on you. And if you think it puts pressure on you, you're looking at it incorrectly. Because you cannot, by your own righteousness, access or demonstrate the kingdom. And that's why he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What's the definition of the kingdom of God? Romans 14. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Whose, whose righteousness are you seeking? His. Not yours. Can't get an amen. So, you and I need to get soaked in the reality that we're right with God and that we have a new identity so that when we speak, there's authority behind what we say. I mean, Paul casts out all kinds of demons, right? But remember, remember the seven sons of Sceva? They got their butts kicked. And the reason they got their butts kicked is they were trying to operate in kingdom authority without kingdom identity. They thought it was a magic formula. We cast, I mean, the seventh background for this story, seven sons of Sceva were trying to cast out demons. And this is how they did it. We cast you out in Jesus' name whom Paul preaches. Jesus' name whom Paul preaches. How many Christians are more confident in their pastor's prayer Come than on. they are their own? Come on. Come on. Cast you out. In, 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 in Jeremiah's name, whom, whom, or in who blah, 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 Jeremiah preaches, whatever. Joseph Prince preaches, Andrew Walmack preaches, whoever. No, man, this kingdom, there's only one king, there's only one head, but we are the kings of the kingdom, and you can't base your identity on another person's opinion of you or what another person thinks about you. Can I get an amen here? Gosh, God thinks you're awesome. He chose you to know Him. He's, he's moved on the inside of you. And you can operate in the kingdom without anybody's approval or anybody's permission because the king of the kingdom is in you. You don't have to do it through somebody else or do it through a church or do it through an individual. We don't have time for that. It's time to just rise up and do the stuff. Pray for people. Help people. Love people. Demonstrate righteousness, peace, and joy. 
When you start to get under pressure, how many of the kingdom's on his shoulders? It's not on your shoulders. Listen, we all can't, we can't do nothing. Not a thing. But it's okay, because we don't have to. I mean, he said he's going to live his life through us, right? And so this authority that you have, it's, it's because of the one that's living on the inside of you. You ever had a teacher in school that didn't know their authority? Oh, dear God, I gave those people a really hard time. If you didn't know who you were in my class, I was running the class. <laughs> I'm like that guy on that boat. This is my class now. I had two classes my senior year. They wouldn't even let me in because I had made the teacher cry so many times. I know that's sad, but it's true because, she, because, because they didn't know who they were. And how many know if, if how many know kids will test your authority? And if you don't know who you are, the kids will be like, we're going to run this thing. Listen to me. How many know the enemy will try to test your authority? Well, who do you think you are? Once again, how many know it's not your pedigree that brought you into the kingdom? It's not your resume that brought you into the kingdom. In fact, you're in the kingdom because you were weak and you needed a savior, just like me. But now, once you're saved and once you're born again and once you're the righteousness of God, the enemy may, he may I mean, the enemy the is going to do what he does. But like, he does not have the right to. He's an illegal outlaw spirit that's not here because he has a right to be here. How many know Jesus kicked his butt out 2,000 years ago? But how many know he's still doing stuff in the earth because he's hijacked other people's authority? But how many know we're here to kick his butt out of our schools? To kick his butt out of our homes, out of our marriages, out of influence over our kids because of the authority that's been given to you. Don't come to God and beg him for something that he's already given you. Don't come to God and beg him to do something he already has done. I mean, a good portion of the church is begging God to do something that he's already done. Faith is not begging God to do something. I mean, you know, 2,000 years ago, God did something. And he's sitting down now. Jesus is chilling, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. Who is that going to happen through? Us. We are the ones. We have the authority. So don't pray for people. Lord, if it be your will to heal this person. No, it's clearly in the scriptures that it's God's will to heal. Amen. If it be your will, if it be your will, no, we got the will. Speak to the mountain. And I know this changes things, and it changes the dynamic of things, but God wants the world to see the display of his sons and daughters in the earth. Listen, there's a glorious liberty that's coming. There's a freedom. It's going to be filled with joy. It's going to be filled with laughter. It's going to be filled with singing. It's going to be in the streets. Addiction is going to fall right to the ground and die as heaven invades earth. Demons are going to leave, people, leave people's bodies. Sickness is going to be removed from people. Why? Heaven's invading earth. How's it going to invade earth? Through you. You. We are the doorways that the king walks through. 
How many know that Jesus is, he's in here. He's inside of you, right? You are the holy of holies. The authority is coming out of you. And we, we just can't let him trick us into thinking that we don't have the authority. How many of someone can have all the authority in the world, but if they don't believe, they, if they don't know who they are, they're not going to operate in it. And so if you're, if, you, and, and if, you're, if you're struggling with this identity thing, it's okay. We're all finding out who we were. I used to identify as being a drug addict. How many of you know identity is a big thing in the earth right now? Enemies attacking everybody's identity. I've got a fresh new identity for you. It's called being a child of God. And there's no greater identity than that. All you got to do is keep hearing it. That's all you really got to do. Just keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. I mean, old Charles, his whole life has been prepared, been hearing he's going to be king someday. His whole life he's heard it. He finally gets to step into it. But he's heard it his whole life. You may not have heard your whole life that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You may not have heard your whole life that you're a child of God. You may not have heard that your whole life, and that's okay. Because how many of you, listen to me, as a born-again child of God, this is true whether you believe it or not. Now, if you believe it, it's going to make your life better. And it's going to call you to the front lines of what's going on. Because God needs his people praying right now with authority. How many of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? You are that righteous man. You are that righteous woman. Your prayer avails much. Why? Because you have authority. How I many know when you know you're right with God, you pray different? Mm -hmm. And if you think that your rightness with God is based on something external, there'll be times when you're confident and times when you're not. Your, right, your rightness with God is not based on your church attendance. If you're born again, you're the righteousness of God whether you're in church or not. I'm probably the only pastor saying that this morning. But it's true. It's the truth. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're a child of God whether you're in church or not. Now, it's good to be in church. It's good to hear the word. How many know we're all getting a reminder of who we are in Christ right now? And the Spirit of God's all over it, right? And it's good, and it's healthy, and it's strong, and it's a blessing. But, but that's not what determines your identity. How many of you who you are in Christ is not based on your giving? That'll flip all kinds of temple tables right there. But it's true. God's not for sale. His blessings aren't for sale. It's too expensive. He paid for it with his blood and it's free now. Amen. And how I many know also even, even take it a step further, your identities, it's not based on anything that you do. How I many of the thief did the one thing he believed? And he became righteous. That's what is important to God. Now, I'm not saying that church attendance isn't good. I'm not saying giving isn't good. We're thankful for those of you that support our ministry. I'm not saying the way that you treat people isn't important. All these things are important, but they're not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. He's the most important thing. In the kingdom, it's in you, right? And God wants to, he wants to display this kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to manifest some heaven in your life Monday. 
Monday. On Monday, God wants to manifest some heaven in your life. How's it going to come? It's going to come out of you. It's going to come out of you. I mean, what, what, what should come out of you is peace, not offense, not anger. Right? I mean, what should come out of you is joy. Now, here's the thing. What if it doesn't come out of you and something else comes out of you? It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your authority. It doesn't change your right. It doesn't change your identity. Come on. It's, it's, more, it's more solid than your behavior. It's more stable than these things. And I mean, no, you get a hold of this, and you can, it'll snap you out of cycles of mistakes. It will, man. Because back in the day, I used to think, well, I'm right with God until I make a mistake, and now God's mad at me. So God's mad at me today, so I'm going to be an idiot all day today. Because I've already screwed it up, so it's flesh time. What? And we're going to do dumb stuff, and we're going to be in the flesh until the night, and then we're going to repent at night, get, get tallied up, and get all my stuff, and try to confess as many things as I can remember so I can get right with God, and then I get a fresh start tomorrow. Well, now, when you start to understand that, that you're right with God before you make the mistake, while you're making the mistake, and after the mistake, it will break that cycle of defeat off of your life, and now I can make a mistake, but then I can snap back out of remember who I am and be right back in the spirit and have a great day. Whereas before, it would be like it would be crumpled up and just thrown in the wastebasket. Well, I was an idiot today, but I'll get right with God later. <laughs> no, you never stop being right with God. You are not powerful enough to kick Jesus out of your heart. Because, and we've been looking at this, your spirit has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You're just not that powerful. Did you do anything to make yourself right with God? Did you do an action? Did you do a good deed to make yourself right with God? No, it's too great, right? No, no man or woman could do a good enough deed to be made right, righteous in God's eyes. I mean, you know, the law proved that. So if you can't make yourself right with God, you also can't make yourself wrong once you're born again. Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. See, if we just get a hold of this, it would cut cycles of sin out of our life. Sin would lose dominion over you. It would lose power over you as a result of you knowing who you are. And we talk a lot about this that I'm talking about right now. But I, I, and I, wanna, I will continue to talk about this, but I want to talk about an identity-based authority. I want to see an authority coming out of our lives based on who we are in Christ. Because this, listen, this world needs some authority figures right now. Big time. People need somebody who has some confidence and some peace because the world is crazy. We are those people. We are those people. And so when I'm speaking to you, I'm closing. When I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to the Christ in you. Now, the Christ, the way he comes out of you, different than the way he comes out of me. I mean, we all have different personalities. I mean, it's the same wind that blows through the trumpet and the flute and the saxophone, but each instrument is different and looks different and sounds different. So the way you demonstrate Christ is going to be different than the way I demonstrate Christ. But there's still going to be the kingdom that's flowing through you. Righteousness, peace, and joy boldness and confidence and love. And um, we have this inside of us. Like we're not trying to get it, we got it. 
And I, I feel like I'm going to be teaching on this for a little bit because, I mean, I only went to one scripture. But I, the Spirit of God just kind of hijacked the message and there's like a declaration type thing that's going on. But, but there is a, there's a place that God wants us to go um, so we can help. And really the bottom line is just so we can be a blessing. I mean, number one, so we can, so we can be blessed. I mean, you know, it, 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 when you're a part of something that is stable, it's how I many of it's good for you. But at the same time, you, you can bring stability into other people's lives as well. And uh, what we're going to get into eventually is start really taking a look at how we actually exercise this authority. And how many know when Jesus exercised authority, what did he do? He spoke, man. I mean, that's what kings do. They speak. Your words are powerful. Enemies always trying to get your mouth. God's always trying to get your mouth. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just want to pray. Lord, I just I thank you that you help us to access the kingdom of God that's within us. I thank you, Spirit of God, that you teach us how to do it. Lord, I, I will teach as you lead me to teach, but I thank you that, Spirit of God, you're teaching us individually when we're not here and we're not listening online and when we're going through our day and when we're living our lives. I thank you. Spirit of God, that you're teaching us how to access this, the, the, the riches of, your, of, your, of, of the inheritance that is placed down on the inside of us. Help us, Lord, to be a part of a kingdom that can't be shaken. And I thank you that you teach us how to do it, Lord, not just from a head knowledge perspective, not just from information, but like living it out. And I thank you that you teach each of us individually how to do that, Lord. We thank you for that. I thank you that you're teaching us. And Lord, I... Also, thank you for the display of your kingdom in the earth, Lord. Let your kingdom be on display in the high schools and the college campuses. and Let your kingdom be on display, Lord, in, in, in Congress and in the Senate and the political systems. Let your kingdom be on display in, in the ghettos and in, in, in the rough places. I thank you, Lord, that, that the crooked places are made straight, that the valleys are brought high, and the mountains are brought low. Make way. The king is coming. Make way. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. And you will return in us first. You will be seen in us first. People will behold you in our eyes first. Days of heaven on the earth. Days of heaven infiltrating the drug houses, days of heaven causing the king's kingdom, the kingdom causing needles to be dropped on the ground, crack pipes to be thrown in the trash, prostitutes to regain their innocence, depression fleeing, the kingdom the kingdom, the kingdom is greater than all. The kingdom is more powerful than all. The kingdom is greater. Oh God, help us to see the power that is within us. Help us to see it. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Your kingdom come. Your will 
be done on earth as it is in heaven. Days of heaven in the earth. Psalm 89. Days of heaven in the earth. Days of heaven. I thank you for your spirit on display. Your glory on display. Your power on display. I thank you that the king is giving commands. The king is speaking. The king is leading. I think it's bigger than any church. Bigger than any church building. It's bigger, stronger, mightier. People will recognize the kingdom. They'll see it on somebody. Just like they did in the early church. They'll recognize those are the Christians. Those are the believers. But the power would be so strong that the, that the fear of God would come upon the land. Not in the sense of being terrified, but in the sense of reverence, in the sense of honor. That the lie in the atheist's mouth would be removed. That there'd be an honor that would arise in the land for God and for His people and for the kingdom. That there'd be a restoration. Ah. <sighs> Heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things. We thank you, Lord, for restoring what's been stolen from us. I thank you that you restore it. And I thank you, Lord, that we would identify with more than just our country. That we would identify with more than just our race. That we would identify with more than just our church or a pastor or a teacher. Lord, that we would identify with Jesus Christ that we would identify with the kingdom of God, that we would see ourselves as being a part of something that can't be tamed. I thank you, Father, that your people will be willing in the day of your power. We're not waiting for it to happen. We're not tarrying. No, no, the time is now. Today, this moment. Let us live in this moment all the days of our lives. Let us live in the now. Now faith is. And Lord, I just thank you that the change would be broken off of people's minds concerning their worth, concerning what they identify with. And I thank you, Lord, that we'd no longer identify with idols. Not man-made idols, not demon-made idols not church-made idols. That idolatry would cease. Hero worship would cease. And Lord, I thank you. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Unafraid. And that this joy would rise up. This genuine, powerful joy of the Lord. Then was our mouth filled with singing. Then was our tongue filled with laughter. We were like then the dream. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. Lord, just help, I just thank you that you help your people to quit looking at themselves and to keep their eyes on Jesus not looking at their good deeds, not looking at their mistakes. Just eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. 
Monday, eyes on Jesus. Tuesday, eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes off of Jesus, eyes back on Jesus. I thank you that their authority would come out of who they are, not what they do. Lord, I thank you that our doing would line up with our believing because we know who we are. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Come on. That's right. Yes, he is. Those days are upon us. It's good, isn't it? Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. I agree with that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you need to give out this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Those of you watching online, you want to support our ministry, go to gracepointgeorgetown.com. Um, we appreciate your support. Just got a couple announcements here. We have our next outreach on Monday, October 10th. Uh, we'll be doing that down at the shelter there in Georgetown. We're going to be having chili. It's going to be fantastic. be a great opportunity to display the kingdom. Uh, we're going to start men's group up again next month, second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. We'll meet right here in the church. Um, Connie is going to be doing a prayer before church in the mornings. Connie Sylvester, the person that just prayed right there. And if you guys want to meet her at the church to pray before service, feel free to do so. You guys can discuss and figure out times and stuff like that. And um, amen, that's about it, really. That's, that's what we got. I know it's, it feels different in here, don't it? Feels good, man. Amen. It's hard. It's hard to do Monday and stuff, you know, because like you just don't want to. You just want to go raise the dead. <laughs> Amen. So, anyway, go in the joy of the Lord. Be a blessing to those around. If you might need prayer, see myself, see somebody around you, um, and y'all have a wonderful week. Amen.